Well, you know, when I was with the gate, too, yeah. I spent seven years with the gate, on and off. And yeah, going back and forth. You had going a kind of a thing going with them. From the gate, going to them, coming back to the yeah. gate. Because yes. that's the way they worked, yes. the gate. And I went with Siddle Cusick. Yeah. Company and McMaster. All right. The only Shakespearean company we ever had, Lily in Ireland. Andrew yeah. McMaster. And he. What was it called? Was it just called? Just the McMaster Company. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. McMaster said. And he was married to Michael McLemore's sister. Really? Yeah. yeah. And you know, I often do, I, I thought it was a terrible thing to happen, really, myself. When they they done the book on him, the brothers, or the the fellas or something was called, and they said he he was born. He wasn't an Irish man. That's right. He claimed to be born in Cork. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I say, what makes an Irish man? Yes. What makes any man say yes. well, because because he's born in England doesn't make him an English. Yes, it's not an issue. Shouldn't be an issue. No. The man did everything in this country. Country. Yeah. And so why, 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 why? I mean, he came to Ireland probably when yes. he was a very young person. Yes, yes, and he embraced it, embraced it fully, he, didn't he? Yeah, oh, completely. And that's and a, that's that's a compliment. He was a fluent Irish speaker. Yeah. Oh, was he? Oh, completely. Yeah. Speak Irish says it could live, go over to the Allen Islands and he'd be on and he wouldn't be out of place with them, and uh, he could speak several languages actually. Yeah. How did you find? The Shakespeare theatre, like, compared to the variety, I mean... Oh, it's a big change. It's yeah. a big change over, you know. The Shakespeare and all this, all the playing, they're all very serious. Yeah. Not that the variety actors are very serious about their job, but they're more relaxed. Yeah. They're more, uh, and there's always the music with the, the variety music to lift you up. Lift you up and all. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. No, but I, saying that, I love the players. I love going to a play of the girl. I like to see a good play. Yeah. And because you like all, you, you appear to like all types of performance. Oh, I like any performance, any performance. I love any performances. I mean, people would laugh me say that I'm, I'm, I love going to the ballet. Yeah. Because the ballet is so graceful, and the music is so graceful in the ballets and the movement and all. You know, you have to. I suppose, in a sense. Yeah, I I was very lucky. I got a chance to learn, seeing it all, every part of the business, and then the gate. You know, I went with Siddle Cusick first. When I was with him, we done the Playboy of the Western World, Siobhan McKenna, Edna Dunn, Siddle, Walter Mackin, Jackie McGordon. They're all old. They're, they're all gone now. Every one of them, you know, and. We went to Paris. He had the makings of a great actor, incidentally. He was really coming into his own, Jackie. When Jack, he, oh, it was just and when Jack, he died, he was so coming very into young. His, Jackie John Bay, He yeah. was certainly up there with... The, oh, up there with the best of Jackie was. <coughs> yeah. Well, Jack and uh, I went to... We went to Paris to the first international festival with the Playboy of the Western World on the invitation of the French government through our own government here. And we were taken, sent over, and I was I was honoured. I was uh, I was picked to go with them, as their carpenter to put fit up the sets over there. And I was, we got to play the opera house, which is the big big theatre over there. And uh, there was a big Italian set. We done three nights, and the, someone else done three nights. But we got the last three nights, the tourist uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. They were air noise and the Italians were on. We, 
thing. But we had to have a rehearsal beforehand on stage, you see. But they couldn't take down the the set. It was too big. Massive. Massive. Big things. So... Of course, as, uh, that was an operatic set. Set, yeah. And they tend to be ginormous. Mass, and everything is, but anyway, the scale it was, um, is bigger. We put the set up in front of the core court in, in the set of Bernhardt's Theatre. Oh, I think that's what's not. But the, in front of the fur court, we set up our set to rehearse in. The stage manager did. And I come in and sat down on the stage. And I had all, everything I had with me was on the stage in front of the court. And, and I sat in the front row and I said, oh, Jesus, I've got problems. I mean, we're not going to mass when I go onto the stage. I haven't got enough material to mask around the sides. Because you didn't mask in front of the four coins. <laughs> what are we going to have to the stage? So the stage manager laughed at me and he said, don't worry, George. He said, we'll sort something out for you. And they went over to a theatre across the road from us and they bought the site. That's a big curtain that goes around the psychorama, like it's supposed to be the sky. And I've never seen anything like it since. We brought it in and they hung it up and hung it And I just put the set in the middle of the stage, this big open oh. stage. And this was all around us. Thing, thing, and it, it, the set never looked as well. It With really, that backdrop, it really made this is what the she bean was in the middle yes. of nowhere. Yes, it really was. It isolated it, it. and and but, made it. Yeah, that was a way out and of it. Was that. Beautiful, it was. But the, the most amazing thing was when when it came to the night scene, you know, on the on the play, and I tried to tell the the, the electrician who couldn't speak English. You see, and I couldn't speak French, and I was trying to tell him. Bring the lights down dark, you know, dark, you know, night, night, take the lights down on this thing. And eventually he got one of them, he said, ah, hold it. And he goes into the corner and he fiddled her out a few minutes. And this big side was on a track, turned around. It was all black on the other side of it. And he flicked the flesh and then a dish up with all little stars, like, like a night sky. Brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And uh, we won honours at the thing. The company won an honour for the... What year was that? In 1956. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Then, I, then I went... It must have been great, sorry, George. There's George McFarland Lake in uh, Dubliner. All of a sudden transported to Paris. What did you think of the place? <laughs> oh, marvellous. I mean, I can't... No, the, I must say, the thing I, when I... Going to Paris to me was... It was great honour and all that thing. But my thing... Oh, I want to see the Mona Lisa. So the first day I had off, I dragged half the company with me <laughs> to see the Mona Lisa. And it was the most disappointing thing I ever saw in my life. I was shattered when I looked at it and said, what? I think, what's so great about it? But that's what I enjoyed the Louvre and all that. I had a great time in Paris. And then, of course, the gate. I toured a lot with the gate. And we went to, I went with it to Egypt. With the gate. That must have been interesting. Same thing. And uh, we took five shows, sets, costumes and lights, everything with us to Egypt. We were invited out by the Egyptian government who paid our fare out. Thing. And we played, played the Opera House in Cairo. We played Alex in Port Soils, we played, and Alexandra, we played. But when we were... When we were finishing in Curro, which is the last night of thing, our stage manager at the time, Colin Kelly, Lord of Mercy on him, Colin got sick, very sick. 
and we had to travel the next day in the train. He was very sick. We got to Alexandra, and of course we got a doctor to meet you for him. And we got the shock of our life. The doctor told us he was be dead by twelve o'clock. There's nothing they could do for him. He had developed polio. He couldn't breathe, and there was no word in lung out there or anything for him. And he died. He died at twelve o'clock on a Monday morning, and we were performing opening night on Monday night and Anna Manahan, who was married to Colm, was playing the lead in the play. So she had to she had to go on just to say he was buried that day, he was buried than all the one day, within twenty four hours. And he had to go on. We opened that night it was it was uh, oh, I don't know how we got through the the thing with it. It was a terrible shock to us all to Colm. Colm was a brother of a lad, a newscaster, or Kelly. Remember, he went to prison, but he wouldn't give. He said, "Yes, he was a brother to him." That's right. He, he later became um, a religious correspondent. Well, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was Colin's brother, and uh, he he was he worked for the Irish Press at the time, and he got the it came in on the Irish Press thing, the news that Colin had died in Egypt. That's when he got it word of it. And that was just like a viral thing that he just picked up. Well, we think he picked it up here before he went out. Right. Because it was there was polio in Waterford. Yes. And he went to Waterford. Dearly before me. he went. Oh, dear. And he me. could have picked it up, you know, thing. And we were five days going over on the boat. Thing. And people do say, oh, cruise. Oh, I'd love to go. I would never go on a cruise in all my life. It was the most boring five days on a boat, nowhere. Big line and with everything there now, but it was still boring. Out, you seen everything the first day. <laughs> but, but what happened then in the corridor was then the Suez Canal broke. Thing happened. We had the Suez Canal. The Egyptian raided Egypt. The Israelites come over, take over the Suez Canal. And we were caught in the middle of it. So, when we know we had that time, we'd no embassy in. Can you remember the year? What, roughly? 1956. Oh, 56 that was. Yeah. And um, because the British government, they took over for us to look after this. And they flew some of the company out straight away to Malta. But there was seven of us who couldn't fly. They didn't have us to go out. We had to stay with the costumes and sets and things. To get, try and get there. They were all on the docks waiting to go. Um, we were staying in Port Soils in a hotel, and this we were there one day afternoon. Now, we couldn't go very far from the hotel at any time. We had to tell them where we were going. And if we were going somewhere else, we had to go back and tell the hotel we were changing our mind and going somewhere else. And we were told to be ready to move at a moment's notice. And we came back one day to lunch, and we went in to sit down. To we only sat down when... This Navy officer came in, a British Navy officer, and he said, leave it, get your bags, you're going now. We drove down to the docks, put on a, a Navy boat, a Navy tugboat, a little small thing. And we were the last boat to go through the Suez Canal before they blocked us. Really? Yeah. And they took us to Malta. And we three days at sea. I have never, I would not want to wish it at anybody I'd do it again. We ran into rough storms. No rain, but just storm winds and toy seas. And we were a sick 
as anything. Everybody was sick on board with it. And Leo Layden, the actor, was with us on the boat. And Leo said, all Leo was sitting there doing, like us all, and all he kept saying was, oh, my God, whiskey tuppence a glass and I can't drink it. <laughs> That's all it was on the boat, the Navy boat. It took us three days to get to Malta. And we weren't able to shave or anything for the three days. We couldn't couldn't stand up for the three days. Was that yeah, bad? Was that bad? And we come out with no money. We couldn't take the money out. Oh dear! Had to leave it. Come out with nothing after all the work, all that work. Oh dear! Yeah. So we had to work. We done a show in Malta for a fortnight, for the British people, and then we we flew home from Malta, back to Dublin. Well, doing that show got the money back up a bit. It did, yeah. Now, the company got no money. Yeah. But years afterwards, the company got no money. It was tied all up in Egypt. And thing. Yeah. All the sets was gone, everything. Costumes and all were all lost and couldn't get them home. But <laughs> that's show business. It is, I suppose. Yeah, it's show business. You just have to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. But Do you know, who would have thought that when you went for that job? With Louis Elliman, that you would have been in Paris and you would have been in never, Egypt. I never for one more. I mean, I would never went where I went. I went to Paris. I went to North. I went to uh, Ensenoa. I've been in Brussels. I've umpteen places with shows, South Africa, but I'd have never went anywhere. I'd have never went. I wouldn't have went further than Cork, <laughs> maybe across the England <laughs> thing. But the, like, I don't know, and you know, we, everything was paid for. And I got paid for it as well. A paid holiday. A paid holiday. Now it was hard work. I will understand Believe that. Believe me, it was But hard you're work. talking about times that people did not travel and did not go, and there wasn't the free movement of people across oh, borders. Oh, no. And uh, to go to Paris was a big trip. Oh, a marvellous trip. You were really going foreign. Far, oh, yeah, foreign, you were. I mean, you were fun if you went to Darden Islands. <laughs> I mean, that was really, and I mean, to go all the way to Egypt by sea, you know. Yeah. Five days at sea going to Egypt, you know. Mm. And like coming home when we were flown out from Malta, it was something like 10 hours flights in the flight. We had to touch down at Rome to refuel. Really? You know, coming out, they can fly. I know. But it, it's yeah. a great, it was a great experience. Like, I never. Oh, yeah. You never would have done it. And then, of course, after the retired from work, my old pal Tony Kenny, you would know and thing. Yeah. He got me to go down to Butlins with him. And we still the clown in Butlins, the two of us, as clowns. In Butlins for years after that. Very good. That was that was very good, but you know, um, so show business have given you a lot. Oh, an awful lot, an awful lot. I would have never seen the life. I'd have never had the life I had. Yeah. Ended up with no money at the end of it, of course. Well, but nobody else ended up with money, no, George. No. That thing you worked, and your money was gone at the end of the week, and you started That's again right. the next week. Nobody yeah. accumulated anything. No, no. So, so that was okay. But I do it all again. Yeah, and you got to meet people and be near people who the rest of us would have given our back well i tell you there. one thing i say about it is that when i went away i didn't go as a tourist and i met the real people that lived in these countries yeah the same as we do the working people and you know they're no different than we are 
I remember in, in Alexandra, the electrician in the, in the theatre, lovely theatre, we played a great staff, and the, the electrician there, he was married, two children, and he asked us, three of us, he asked us back one afternoon, come back to meet the wife, you know, and we went back with him to Helen, in a flat, like the flats here, no difference thing, kitchen, bedroom, sitting room, just a little sitting room, which, which they used as a drawing room as well. And we were sitting there, and I was, she was in the kitchen, like just like that in the kitchen, and she was getting things. He went in to give her a hand. And I never, I laughed with her when I heard what she, what she said. She said, I could kill you, bringing people back here and not telling me. The place would have well been filthy. And I could say to myself, I could hear an Irish wife saying exactly the same thing to any of us coming back with somebody and not unexpected. The same situation <laughs> for wives and the same uh, response. Bons, yeah, exactly the, the same. Exact same. Course, you know. We are all the same. We are. You know, we are all the same. Yeah. And, you know, you, that was a great... You're after giving me so much on that. And, you know, a lot of people are still... that. I always keep going back to your 1957 you started because, in a way... From because because we were influenced a lot now. A lot of the comedy came to us from British uh, films, and there were great films, the Ealing comedies yeah. and so on. And and you mentioned one or two names there. Uh, who else? What what were the other big names that you can remember that would have come over at that time? Jack Benny certainly. Oh, Jack Benny certainly. You know, we had uh, John Hudson, an actor. There was a lot of actors who were not known. Yes. Like, there were big actors in England, but wouldn't have been known here. Right. Thing. Right. Like, you know, and we, at, at that time, like, a, a show came over, big musicals came over. Like, we had Brigadoon, which oh. is marvellous, marvellous show, Brigadoon. Yeah. Thing. And they come over, sets and all, they brought over, always brought their own stuff. And we played to empty houses with a... It was a marvellous play, show musical, great dancing, singing and all that, everything. Two weeks later, the film was on in the current, Rick is doing. That's right. See? And I ran, it's the only film I ever remember, ran, ran for two weeks in the current, non-stop, the second week in it. A couple of years later, the Ordinar done it in the Gaiety and it packed because people had got to know it through the films. It, yeah, it wasn't just an unnamed, what's this about? What's this going to be like? Yeah, and uh, I mean, Richard Harris, Richard Harris came to the Gaiety. Did he? Yeah, Richard Harris plays, played in the Gaiety in The Ginger Man. Don't leave his. Yeah. yeah, and he closed the Gaiety after three nights. The first night in it that he was on, there was nearly a riot in the Gaiety over it because the it was banned, the book was banned at that time, you know. Everyone had had read it, but it was banned. <laughs> thing. And people got up and shouted, and get this filth off this stage, and don't bring that filth into here. Thing. And closed, then the, we couldn't get in, the were outside protesting with placards, and Legion of Mary walking up and down, and other people all walking up and down with us. And anyway, it ended up that Dewey Ellyman wanted some of the scenes cut out of the thing to carry on and Harris wouldn't cut them. And we closed the house for a fortnight. Took the play off. So we were closed up for a fortnight. 
And remember, Louis was a Jew. But he closed the house for a fortnight because of the thing and... Uh, like he stood his ground on He stood his ground, yeah. No, we got paid. Yeah. Didn't back doors. But then, and Harris came back again a, a couple of a good few years later. He came back, which he, the one thing he made all his money on was Camelot. He'd done the one-man show at Camelot. That's right. And he came back to the, to the gaiety. And at this time, I had come a stage. I had come stage yes. manager when he came back, and uh, <coughs> we had set up the show, the stage for him that day. He was doing one night, one Sunday night performance, no more. And uh, he came in about four o'clock. I met him, and I shook hands with him, and I said, "Nice to see you back again." I said, "You were going to run the whole the whole time this time." He stopped and looked at me, and I couldn't repeat what he said to me because what he caught me. And he said, well, "Do you realize? Do you were here then?" I said, "I was." And we talked a good bit about it in the times and laughed about it, you know. But he came back and he on show, and Godfrey James. He came back. He done the first Finnegan's Rainbow with Jimmy O'Day, which was the last show Jimmy O'Day ever done. Thing and a lad named Godfrey James, an English artist, he came over and uh, played, and he was only young at the time. And when we done Annie, he came back to play the, one of the leads in it, Godfrey. And uh, again, I met him when he came back, and I said, he's going to rehearse, said, you know where to go, I said, you know where it is, in the same place we rehearsed. The go at, uh, and was he surprised? He was surprised, yeah. I said, Finnegan. So he went up there. And he'd come much older and fast, put on ways and things. But lovely singer, great singer, marvellous singer. He played in Annie. Now, Annie, Annie was, the, I think, the longest-running show in the Gaiety. Not for six months. Right. Never never known a show to run that long. Thing. We took, didn't do pantomime or anything that year. Maureen Potter. Done a morning panel. She was fabulous in it. Ray, it was a great show. Cecinta White. That's right. Played, played Annie. Now she'd played it in England. Yeah. And came over and played it. And it was a show, everything in it was made here. Yeah. We done everything here. And in England when when they put on Annie, they had to close the theatre for six weeks to put in a fall a stage. Because everything was on tracks was working on tracks. Just all the sets changed in front of the audience. Right, there was no, yes. So, yes and it was all yes. electric and mechanical coming and in and out. And wheeled in and out, yeah, on tracks. Now, we couldn't afford that here. Yeah. There was no way we could afford it. So we had to see, the Bob Head, the designer, came up with the idea. And they sent over, before we got the rights to do it, there was two, two, two people came over to have a look to see how we were going to do it. Because it had to be done exactly the way they yes, couldn't was, change Yes, it. yes, yeah. And we had to mock up a kind of a stage, that, the way we were going to work it, and show them. And they said, yes, that'll work. You can go ahead. And we had, at that time, the gaiety had a rake at the stage of half inch to the foot of a rake. Yeah. See? But we had to take that rake off it. So we had because, to, you, because you couldn't let people see. No, well, for otherwise everything we couldn't run them the way we wanted. Yeah, to, because see. it wouldn't been all tilted, tilted forward. Tilted over, so we had to take the rake off it. Yeah. So we had to build a false stage. Down at the at the light dance. 
the whole right back, right back. Oh, did you back, oh, right all the way? All the way. We oh, had I thought to, you might have just leveled it. No, like. we had to do it all the way back. We had of course, to, it sloped all the way. Of course, yeah, you had to go all the way back on it. Thing, um, it was built in the gate. We all we built it in the gate, and we had to have tracks in it because we had to put casters, things on casters underneath us. Yes. And the sets fitted into these. Right. And we had loins, what we call trick card, you call it satch loin. Yes. We call it a trick card. Underneath and it's running to a hook tied on the hooked onto these things. And we had winches off stage in the docks. Just an only hand winch, no ratchet, no nothing. Yes, just yeah. Silent winch. Silent winch just done it. And I ran along up the wall onto the winch the line. You didn't see it, anything? No. And when the set, bringing it to the dock, we take out one set and fit the other one onto it. Very now, good. The men on the far side of the stage, they brought this, this stuff on from this side. And we brought on their stuff from yes. the winch. You know? So it was always going to cross. Cross, always. Yes. And the whole thing, it worked marvellous. Yeah. Honest, marvellous. It's God thing. And everything, including the props and everything, were built here. Because we had to have special furniture made. To fit into everything, chairs, oh, yes. tables, because they had to move. They've got everything yeah, had yeah. to move, yeah, and they had to be. And there was, yeah, that would have, that would have, and it worked very well. Oh, marvelous! It was great, and it looked good while it was moving. Marvelous, absolutely marvelous. I mean, it was those one, those scenes in it, like where they were out, they were, they were in the house, and they walk out of the house, and then into the street. Yes, and everything moved, and the street moved in. You know, yes. so they were in the streets, and then they would sleep back to the house. Yeah. Well, even that's entertainment in itself. It was entertainment. It, it's the only show I remember. Yeah. The only one I really remember that on an opening night. The opening night was a charity night. Oh, yeah. And the, the price of tickets <coughs> were sky high. Yeah. Now, usually on these things, big charity nights like that, people come to be seen. They of course. They don't come to see not the at show. All. They're not interested in what the show not is about. Not at all. You not know, as all. we know. It's an excuse. It's an excuse to get out. All the glamour dress suits and everything. Everything was all the girls and the women and their glamour and all. And it was great booze in the whole house with it. And it's the only time I've ever seen a standing ovation at the end of a performance on an opening night like that. Yeah. Very good. Never seen it. No matter how well, it was a great play. It was. It was good. For, it was a great general purpose, purpose for all kinds of audience play. Like it was, and they were marvelous in it. Yeah. Great. And I remember one night. You now we didn't use the house tabs. We had to cut out the house tabs because of the way the sets were. Yes, they we were. Couldn't yes. drop them in. We had to. There was an open stage when you come in. Yes. Finished on an open stage. And yeah, that's where it started, started and finished. Yeah. And uh, one night at the end of the show. There was a whole load of Americans in. And, as you know, Americans talk very loud. Thing. And one American said to me, pardon, we heard him as clear as day saying, well, I can tell you one thing, it's not Broadway. I'll go away. He says, I bet the damn show. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? <laughs> Which I thought was marvellous to hear. A great compliment. Great compliment to hear. Yeah. And turn around and say, it's not Broadway, but it's a damn better show. So it really was a great thing. You haven't seen so much and so on. And, you know, the advice that you give to people, having watched so many performances and having been at so many rehearsals and seen so much of it. And, you know, the advice that you gave with, say, an artist, a singing artist going out and, 
and you know the the stagecraft and what's necessary to entertain and because a lot of it's obvious but it has to be pointed out to them of course the young you know. people coming up you see young people coming in see a different side of it yeah. they come in and they think it's going to be great but they don't realize the hard work that has to go into it until they get there yeah i mean even today with all the pop groups and everything else there's at least 12 to 14 hours work every time they do a show to get let it yeah. right are you a little disappointed that the magic has gone out of here? We don't have the magic anymore. Oh no, I am very disappointed. We see our, our artists on chat shows, and the magic yeah, is magic gone. Yeah, magic is. I now I love. I can't stand going into a theatre. I think it's terrible when you go in and the stage is open. To me, to me, the theatre is the first time machine. It can bring you to the future, and it can bring you back into the past, and it can tell you what's happening today and it's all live in front of you it's not on film it's live you're seeing it happening and i think when you go into a theater the curtain should be in the lights are on people sit down and which you don't have now the orchestra which we did have years ago the music is here the orchestra's beginning to tune up the lights fade a hush falls over the audience and that curtain rises and you're going from a different world, stepping into a new world. The magic begins. The magic begins. And we were always told, we couldn't, as stage people, we were never to be seen doing anything. Because you were part of the magic. Yeah. We, no and one ever seen us. couldn't let anybody see the tricks. You couldn't see us. No one ever yeah. knew about We didn't exist there as far as every, we were concerned. Yes. We yeah. weren't to be seen. Yeah. And you'd be told off if you were seen. I remember... One time we were doing a show with O.D. when I only started, you know, and we were doing a thing called shop windows, and it was big things on trucks, and we had to bring them way down front. With the results is we had to push the front tabs, which are caught we call tabs, the curtains, down a little bit. Now when you stand behind them and push them down, naturally the bottom goes up about that much when you push them down. And we're getting the setting, and I was holding these curtains back while they were setting in the thing. And OD said to me, took me on his shoulder, he said, You know, people don't pay to see your shoes, which could be seen under the curtain. And I looked at him, he said, Turn around the other way and face us and push the curtain that way, and you won't be seen because you'll be able to stand back. Yes. But that was OD. Okay, some people may have thought, who the hell does he think he is telling you? But he had a sense of magic. He knew what the theatre was he about. He knew what it was about. And I listened to him and he told, yeah. me, he told me I'd done anything. Yeah. Anything he'd tell me or any artist yeah. that would tell me anything. I listened to them. I may not always agree with what they said. Yes, yes. Well, I listen. Yeah. Because you always listen to everyone that tells you anything on the stage. Because somewhere in it, there may be that little thing that'll make the difference of a show on it. Yeah. You know, one of the jobs of a stage manager is, when you're at rehearsals, you're the go between the director and the artist. Because you might get an artist who comes on to do something, the director is telling him to do something, and he doesn't feel happy about it. Now, if he turns to the director and say, listen, I don't think I should be doing it this way. 
the director of the meeting is called get on his high horse and say, I am directing, you do as directed, that's your contract. End of story. But if the artist is somebody comes to the stage manager and he say to the stage manager, if he's doing it, the stage manager's doing it, I say, I don't feel happy about doing this. I don't just don't feel it. At the break, I will go to the stage director, the director, and I'll sit down and say, listen, I'll tell you, so-and-so, whatever the artist may say, I think he's having a problem. He's worried about doing such a thing. Oh, the director, what is he worried about? Tell me, what is he worried about? And very many the dad said, oh, tell him to come over to me. Come over, come here, sit down. What's wrong with you? What are you worried about? Tell me what you're worried about, and I'll put you, tell you what I have. No. That's a different approach to us. He's not objecting to doing it. <laughs> but, and the director feels that, oh, I have to help him. Get him out of it. I must help him. No, he'll, he'll sit with him and he'll say, well, you're not happy, let's try it this way. Or he'll explain to the artist why he wants him to do it that way. And the artist might feel then, oh, oh well, okay. yeah, that was he the point. Yeah. But you had a role then to transmit that. You have to be the one to yes. go between. And, and, and again, it's to do with approach. And yeah. that's a much more acceptable approach. Than the fella saying, I'm not, I'm, I don't feel the... Yeah, this Con- is Connor Evans, the actor, married to a thing, is a... Yeah, a, I know Connor. Well, Connor uh, is doing a piece for me at the moment, <laughs> uh, this thing and project I'm doing. And he's a funny fella. Connor I know he is. I know Connor funny. well, I know. Do you? Yeah. Do I must you? tell him I tell didn't him, know. Tell him, you tell him. I didn't know. Do you? He's a funny man. And Connor would say, like, I said, I wonder just if... If I could just make a small little detail. That's and it. they'd always say, uh, don't be ridiculous. And they'd move, and he'd kind of be left like this, you know. But it was funny because the way he was so meek yeah. in trying to get a suggestion, mm-hmm. and they'd always, you know, okay. but he, he would tell it against himself. Yeah. But like, I know, I know, I know Connor for years, I know him and his wife for years. Do you? Oh, God, yes. I didn't know. Yeah. I really didn't know. Oh, God, yes. Way back, Connor. Yeah. I didn't know. You know, and you know something, I was only talking to Connor yesterday on the phone, and it dawned on me yesterday that because Connor's theatre connection, all the rest of it, I was only going to say to him, but I'd asked Joe, and Joe's a be a bit funny too, and I said I better not because I can imagine now if I don't ring Joe, and of course I rang Joe and he couldn't make the bloody thing because Connor would have loved to, you know. Oh, but, we're having a ball together here. You know, but. Uh, <laughs> He's a funny man, Connor. But but regardless, what what we've done today is we've we've you've given an awful lot of information about your 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 own life as, as well. And you didn't tell me many years you were in the gaiety. Forty eight. You should have held on the other two, Joe. Forty eight. Well, it wasn't my fault that I didn't hang on to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a bad management in the land in the end. Yes, yeah. I have yeah. to say they wasn't the yeah the well, person that owned it wasn't the theatre person in the end. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, 48 years in that business, is a, it's a huge amount of time. And it gave you an awful lot and the early travels and all that. And a nice business to be in. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you ever imagine yourself having done anything else? No. No. Never. I was very lucky in a sense when I think about it. Like, you know, my hobby was amateur dramatics as a child. Yet always belonged to the Magic Society or a variety club or something. It was always attached to it. <laughs> and I got a job. I got a job at my hobby. 
You can't say any more than that. Can't say any more than that. And the people I met, of all the years and all the people I met, I don't think I could really name one to say I didn't care, like, or care for. Yeah. It was a good family to be in. Great family. And if I want to help tomorrow, really, I'm sure any of them I could ring and they'd be to me and we're away. The same as they know if they want something. We are there for one another at all times, no matter who they are or anything. I went to a show the other night down in, in Raheen, not, not Raheen, in uh, Collins Avenue there, the hall. I went to see a show, went with Bob, <coughs> and I'm sitting in the hall, I paid in, sitting in the hall of the show, and two, two of the girls, the Royalettes, who were putting on the show, they were there seeing me and coming on and they were saying, George, the Betty man, listen, we're in trouble. We've no one to do the stage. Any chance? <laughs> I said, of course I went, went backstage. Doing the two nights for them that they were down there. Doing the amateur job. But still very good. Yeah. But that's yeah, show no. people. Yes. They know. Show people know they can ask one another. Yes. Yeah. <coughs> Without any second thoughts or anything, they know they rally around one another if they're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. Very, very good. A, d a different time. You come from a different time. It's changing. But you know, uh, but one thing that doesn't change about it, and you talked about it, the magic, people, that's, a, that's such a saleable commodity, and people will, 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 will always crave for that, the magic. You see, life is like a wheel, and it goes around, and it comes back again. And I can see, I see now happening again, another change. People no longer... I really want the type of songs and music we're getting. They're going back, gradually going back to songs that have meaning, not just one-word songs. Yeah. And yes. I see it happening yeah. again. They're beginning to sing again. People are coming on the telly, and they really can sing. Yeah. You know? They're not doing just backing tracks, as we call it. They can really sing. And people are beginning to listen to them again. Yes. And it'll happen. We, it'll come back again, that you... Oh, I think so. You know. Well, you, you did you did a marathon there, George, and thank you very much indeed for that. More than welcome, and I hope hope whoever listens to us enjoys it. They will, of course. 